The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Well, we got a lot to talk about, folks. We're going to dive into uh, the Heartland Top 25 as well as bowl predictions, caught fall camp notes, all that and more here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel. If you are new here, go ahead and hit that like as well as the subscribe button so you can join the family. We're going to be talking a bunch of college football here, and I am stoked about who we have as a guest here on the channel. As you can all see, the comments are already blowing up, so we're going to dive into top 25s, preseason, AP, coaches. We're going to figure out which one makes the most sense, and I'm going to also tell you all the ones that I really am into. We got a special guest today, and we're going to bring him right here on the screen. We got our boy Brian Clinton from Heartland Sports as well as OU Insider. Brian, what is going on? What's going on, Jay? Thanks for having me, you guys. We appreciate you pulling up. And, of course, you've got Coop down here doing the ones and twos. Coop, how you feeling? 13 days, baby. 13 days. Yes! That is my favorite number today because tomorrow it will be 12 days. And this week, we got college football. Yeah, we do. Right. We do. We are counting it down. So, Brian, let the people know where they can find you and all your great content you're putting out around Oklahoma and the Big 12. So, with the Big 12, I started with Heartland College Sports. You can find us at heartlandcollegesports.com. we got a podcast media network as well. If you guys want to search us on Spotify or Google, we're on there. I've been there with them for about two years. We cover the Big 12 better than anybody, so we really love what we do there. We're passionate about it. And then here about a month ago, I started at OU Insider uh, over on Rivals. Really enjoy working with Brandon and Parker and Jesse there. So uh, check us out over there if you're looking for OU content. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We love it. It's this time of year, man. That's, yeah, it is. We are, like Coop said, 13 days. We are less than two weeks away from actual OU football. We are less than seven days away from just college football in general. And so as much as degenerates as all of us are, we will be tuned in on Saturday to watch Navy and uh, who's that Notre Dame and then USC versus San Jose State. Gotta hate watch that game just because um, that's what Sooner fans do. So we got a lot of stuff on the docket. As I mentioned on the intro, we're going <laughs> to Hank, really, you're going to put competitive depth in there right now. We weren't supposed yeah. to be doing this yet. Not yet. Slow it down, Hank. You're going to make everybody pee within like 10 minutes. Let's slow this down. But no, <laughs> we're going to dive into, um, like I said, top 25s. Heartland dropped them. Ryan is the architect of that. I'm going to let him explain his uh, purpose, but I need to say this before we dive into it. And Brian understands this, and he knows, because I told him on Twitter, very disappointed in him. When I saw it, I was hurt. I was appalled. I was flabbergasted. I could not believe that he was not keeping up with the agenda. Now, Brian's going to explain his mythology behind it, but all of that goes out the window for one reason. We have an agenda, folks, and that agenda is Oklahoma being between 19 and 20 at all times because it lines up beautifully with the 2000 team, and we've got to keep that agenda and that coincidence together. But it's okay. Brian, I'm not mad at you anymore. We're going to be okay with this, but I'm going to let you explain your mythology that you have. We'll pop it up on the screen as to what you have. This is why. Go ahead and talk to us through your top 25, and I'm going to show everybody what it looks like. All right, man. So pretty much instead of just taking a best guess, because that's what a preseason top 25 is, let's be honest. Instead of taking my best guess, I aggregate from six or from five different sources here on on 
you know, reputable sources that we can go to for the top 30 in the preseason. So if you look at what we've got, uh, we've got the pick six preview, which I really recommend them if you guys are looking for one. Uh, Phil Steele, obviously, has been around for forever. ESPN's FBI and S&P Plus are both really good metrics to follow. And then, obviously, the coaches poll, which dropped a couple of weeks ago. I took those five uh, rankings, and I did a reverse order point system, just like they do in the AP poll. Uh, when I got all of those uh, together, I added up totals, and that's what you see over here on the right side of the screen is what those totals came out to after the five, and that's how I came up with Heartland College Sports Top 25. So it sounds like Brian actually has a method of his madness or whatnot, and this is what the Top 25 looks like. And so this is the reason why it was all over him, like white on rice with the glass of milk and the paper plate in a <laughs> snowstorm. When we were talking about this, he has Oklahoma at 16th in the country, in the preseason polls. Now, granted, we are talking about preseason, and I understand that everybody's trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what the heck preseason means. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this as a disclaimer. I hate any poll that exists before week four. That's just always been my personal vendetta because the first month of football, we don't know, besides the defending champion, who really should be where they are because we've got some great games that's going to change it. And so let's look at this. First and foremost, Mention this in the green room. Brian, I love the fact that LSU is rated so high. I have been high on LSU and Florida State. And I'm going to be honest, I think Florida State should be higher. And when I look at the overallness, because I have quarterback questions at Ohio State, Alabama, <clears throat> and uh, let me see, Clemson, in theory, going to this season, I think I would prefer to see – those teams move up. Do I sound crazy? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, quarterback's the most important position on the field, as much as some of us may like that or hate that. I mean, really, if you look back through the college football playoff area, the teams that have potential and good uh, showings in, in the in the college football playoff have good quarterback play. So that totally that that's, holds merit for sure. Okay, I make sure I'm not crazy. Cool. Yeah. When you see your first look at this, what, what jumped out to you? What what, what poll? What position made you ask questions? Just, just don't talk about Texas. We'll we'll get away for them for last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you look at everything, and there's so many question marks across everything, right? Um, you know, LSU uh, expectate. You know, when I look, when I'm just making my notes earlier, you look at the quarterbacks. You know, Georgia. You know, they caught lightning in a bottle with Stetson Bennett, and he is, you know, he was just that guy who got stuff done. That, 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 you know, measurable doesn't show up in the NFL combine and stuff like that. But Stetson was just the, the soul of that team. And now you have Brock Vandergrift. Oh, wait, no, not Brock Vandergrift. But, um, you know, you have Carson them going Beck, to be baby. breaking in a new quarterback with Beck. You have Ohio State going to be breaking in a new guy. Michigan now has an expectation on their shoulders. And so there's that. Alabama's breaking in a quarterback. Uh, you know, you get to LSU, and that's the first place where you see a quarterback who's returning and has some savvy. And LSU did some did some damage, you know, towards the back half of the season. And so can they take that next leap of playing with expectations? Can they take that next leap of, uh, you know, actually plowing through the Georgias and the Alabamas? Um, you know, I, I come down here, Florida State, you know, they showed last year that they uh, they were they were coming after everything. Uh, Sooners showed out really, really strong in the bowl game. 
So now we get to say, all right, so with, um, you know, with, with, with everybody that they have coming back, can they show up? Um, you got Clemson right behind them because I think that that's a, a pretty good spot mm-hmm. for one of those two teams. Um, you keep on cruising through Tennessee, Utah. Uh, you know, I, I like TCU right there. That's great. Texas Tech, a lot of people are putting expectations. I wouldn't bet any money on Iowa, but I guess you have to play for them in order to do that. So, <laughs> Good point. Um, I guess when I go look at the back half of this poll, I'm looking at the Iowa piece and the Texas Tech. Now, Texas Tech definitely deserves their respect, and it feels like they are truly a sleeper in the Big 12 this year. Um, the, Joey McGuire's done a really good job, him and staff, in recruiting um, last year, they played very well, and it looks like they're they're bringing a lot of experience back or whatnot. Brian, how how you feel about Tech? You know, as as a Big Twelve writer, being at twenty five, or do you think that they possibly should move up in other polls to get to a better number? So the way that I look at at this, which you know, obviously it's funny, I made this ranking, uh, but if if it was just based on my own opinion, I don't see any world where. Tech should be behind Ole Miss, uh, considering mm. that they blew them out in the in the bowl game last year. Now I know last year is last year, but when we're looking at the roster that Texas Tech returns, you got eleven guys on offense coming back. You've got, I believe, seven or eight starters on defense coming back. Another year of experience. Um, I really like what Texas Tech has coming back. And the thing is, if Tyler, if, if Shuck can stay healthy for them at quarterback. I think Tech has a really good shot of being more than a dark horse. I think you could look at them as being a contender, um, you know, really That's in true. the in the Big Twelve. They are, they're they beat Oklahoma and Texas both last year, uh, which is something they've never done before. And I think that there are a lot of reasons why Tech could be on the rise even uh, in year two with Joey McGuire. And they're keeping Texas kids in Texas, which is really important. That's really tough to do in today's age, uh, and for them to be able to talk some of these guys and to, and to come to Lubbock, Texas and calling it home. It's, it's really exciting to, uh, to see what, what's going on out there right now. No, and Brian, I, I, I was going to say you, Texas tech, you know, their Achilles Hill has always been that defense and obviously OU's yep. fans are one to talk, but <laughs> you don't have that powerhouse lineup of Texas of quarterbacks in the big 12 that mm-hmm. are going to cause trouble for them week in and week out. And, you know, we've seen them show up with some, defensive playmakers here recently. So, the, you know, the one thing that everybody always wants to point out about Tech is, yeah, but can their defense hold up? Right. Well, I don't think that they really have to outside of a couple teams. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is here here recently, obviously we've, we've had some good defenses from Baylor and Oklahoma State a couple of years ago, really solid defenses. But if you're opportunistic and you can take advantage of the opportunities you get and capitalize on offense, that's a really good way of, of winning some close ball games, which you're going to have – you know, nine of in the Big 12 schedule. That's just how it rolls. So, no, that's true. And then, so when we look at the comparison to it with the uh, AP poll, segues perfectly into this conversation. AP poll does not have tech on there. Um, but you can see that there's a close delineation with Texas at 10 and 11. Uh, Tennessee, like it's like they all move down a spot, but they move Washington into the top 10. Now, I am very high on Michael Penix. I think that he's going to have a really good season uh, this year. It, we have high expectations. Let's just put it that way before mm-hmm. I say he has a good season. We have high expectations of him. But, man, the pack has owned so much of this top, like, 20. Like it, And 
what what's going on? Like, why are we seeing so much pack this year? Is it really only because of the quarterback play? Because I think that's the reason why we're seeing a lot of pack. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's about. Uh, when you have big names at quarterback, let's be honest. You know, I can't speak for everybody. I don't have an AP vote, but a lot of the names that I do know have AP votes. It would not surprise me if they run through, see some quarterbacks, be like, hey, that guy played there last year. He was pretty good. I'm putting them in my top 25. When you've got Caleb Williams and you've got Michael Penix and you've got Cam Rising and you've got Bo Nix and then now DJ Uyonglele at, at Oregon State, it makes sense, right? I mean, that's right. just that makes <laughs> sense. So I, I absolutely believe that's what's going on. That totally fair. Cool. Oregon State, man. Um, you know, that Oregon State – uh, everybody is, you, you know, they, they threw the baby out with the bathwater with, uh, with DJ and, you know, I'm hearing good things. Uh, Oregon state quietly won a bunch of games last year and, uh, was just kind of forgotten about. Now the PAC 12 has not made a dent in anything playoff wise or, uh, any big bowl games here recently. And, you know, now they've got all these, all, all these cats in here vying for, uh, one last shot. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I like with the, uh, the the coach's poll throwing a little two lane in there. I wonder if that's a shot at a specific team. But um, <laughs> again, you've uh, you, you've got um, you've got a lot of expectations, and uh, you know I'll agree with was it JC? You know any of the uh, North Pole, South Pole, coaches poll, whatever. None of this, you know, this is all for us. This is for us to start chatting about things. This is for you guys to start listening. Uh, but listen, you know, OU, I, I think. From just a local standpoint, OU is set up, I mean, pretty well. We've, we've heard the comparisons of, you know, 2000, 2003 and all those things like that. But, um, you know, Venables can slap this bad boy up on a uh, uh, up on uh, one of the boards and say, all right, you know, they say that you guys should have been better than last year. You guys know you should have been better than last year. But uh, are there really 16, 18, 17 teams in front of us that we can't beat? Let's go out and prove it on the field. And, you know, so I like that from a local standpoint because you got to think if you're 5-0 rolling in Texas, um, ABC is going to want that to be a top 10 matchup. So you got to hope that Texas uh, makes it interesting in Tuscaloosa and does what they're supposed to do in the other games. Yeah, because last year Oklahoma opened up top 15. Wasn't that where we were ranked? I can't remember the exact number. I'm trying to remember. I want to say it was like around the 12 area. I know by Nebraska, they were number six, I believe, is as high as they got. So Okay. Yep. Yep. Because after week one, they went, they were at least seventh on the AP poll. And uh, yeah. So, whew. I'll say this. I'm kind of fascinated that we are actually put in the 15 to 20 range in just about every poll. And so like, as you mentioned, Brian, yours is an aggregate of multiples. Seeing us at at 16, I think that that's actually a good spot. Um, and I joke about the 2020, I mean, the 2000 season or whatnot, and where we're, we're ranked at like number 19. We brought a lefty quarterback in for his second season. That was also a transfer on, with a coach that was only in his second year at the school that was coming off of a really bad season, one of the worst at OU. You know, all the fairy tale stuff is here. But the question we have to ask ourselves is do you, can you see Oklahoma rising? rising up enough to move and make it to a college football playoff this year. 
Well, first, I want to start that they're they're playing Arkansas State, which you know the last time they played Arkansas State was was two thousand uh, under a second year head coach. So <laughs> let's <laughs> let's just add See? that to the list of things. <laughs> but uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I could digress on now. Pretty much where I think Oklahoma is at is the schedule sets up very nicely. Any other year, you look at the schedule that that Oklahoma's got and any reasonable Oklahoma fan can look at that and say, you should win 11 of those games. Like the Texas game is a 50, 50. It always is, but 11 of those games, you should be able to win. And so uh, is it reasonable to expect them to make a college football playoff? I'm going to say no, um, but I think it's reasonable to expect them to win double digit games. I don't think that's, that's unreasonable whatsoever. Um, I just think, uh, you know, in a second year, Right now, in the, in the second year of the Brent Venables era, I think right now you should expect double-digit games, and anything past that is is exceeding expectations. Exactly, and and you're right. And somebody actually may mention in here in the chat, Jimmy mentioned our schedule was a lot harder in 2000. <laughs> I 100% agree. This is a very favorable schedule, and of course, we'll do a schedule breakdown next week since we'll be preparing for the first game of the season, Arkansas State, and going into that. And so, we got our guest uh, Brian from the Heartland Sports, and of course, Coop. As usual, we're going to jump into some bold predictions that you all did on the site that I thought was very, very intriguing. But before we do that, got to do some housekeeping, folks. Hit that like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe and thank you. Welcome to new members as well as new subscribers, Lexus. Thank you for joining the family. We appreciate you pulling up here. Um, and we also had like a new sub that populated on my screen and I do not know where the stream bot went and, uh, it disappeared on me, even though I did start. There it is. Eddie. Hey, Robinson. Thank you for subscribing. We appreciate it. Are you related to the great Eddie Robinson? I think anyway, so. we'll move on from that. Let's talk about these bold predictions and then we're going to jump into fall camp. I think fall camp is probably one of the big conversation pieces for a lot of people. The scrimmages are done. They start school on Monday, so everything's going to change as far as schedule-wise. They had a walkthrough this past Saturday um, that I heard was, you know, just basically a formality. But let's jump into more so, I want to talk about these bowl predictions. And so right now, I know Sooner fans, y'all going to probably lose y'all mind on this one, but uh, Brian Nims got Oklahoma playing USC in the Cotton Bowl this year. Explain yourself. So... I had a lot of fun with this one. I'll just begin with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I looked at uh, I looked at the Big Twelve schedule, and every year before I do bowl projections or, or what I think is going to happen, um, I go through and I predict every game on the schedule. And what I ended up with was, which this is just crazy, I ended up with a four way tie for first place in 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 the Big Twelve, seven and two from four teams which was nuts. So if you'll see Texas, K-State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma are all either 9-3, and 10-3, or 10-2, and two, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had some sort of – I don't know what the tiebreakers are. The Big 12 doesn't even know what the tiebreakers are yet for this year because they haven't updated their site, so they need to get on that. But uh, I had Texas beating Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma getting left out at 10-2, and two, but with the name brand there. It's it, it's just I don't think I don't think television executives could could pass up an opportunity to put Oklahoma and USC on the same field. I, I just don't think they could. It, it, the the numbers for that game would be incredible. 
Yeah, that would be a uh, dream scenario for Sooner fans, as you can see in uh, the chat. A lot of people are already pointing out that would be crazy and a dream scenario because everyone would love the opportunity to lock down defensively what USC is doing and also get revenge for what was that, the 04 National Championship? Granted, that National Championship was really ran by Pete Carroll. So, I mean, a defensive genius. He did. He had one literal. He literally had one goal that entire game was to stop Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. and said, "Go ahead, pass on us all you want. We're going to stop Adrian Peterson in this game." And sure enough, with the injuries we had, they did it. So, mad props to them on that one. But <laughs> yeah, that's a great dream scenario, Coop. When you look at this man, I mean, outside of this Kansas Missouri pop up, that's funny to me because I wonder can Missouri become bowl eligible this year. It, it feels like their schedule's a little bit uh, uh, shaky, but cool. What do you think about this so far? And then, Brian, I'm, I want to talk about this Missouri spot. Well, first and foremost, if Texas is playing UTSA, um, there is that is a lose-lose scenario, and I would be there for it. And uh, Chicken, you got a booger, brother. Help us out. Finish, finish <laughs> the bad stuff. Um, the OU-USC, let's just – I mean, let's just t- take a trip to Twitter – we would be pulling every single thing that everybody said, hey, USC, get ready for X, Y, Z. And we would all be there for it. Rush three, drop eight. You know, you can have a lead on us. It's cool. We'll just keep plucking away because we know how the script runs out. It is going to be the end. But let's talk about, you know, Texas Tech achieving a nine and three, going against UNC, Drake May, you know, trying to vie for that number one pick in the NFL draft uh, against Caleb Williams. That would be that would be a heck of a, of a bowl matchup, and uh, Mac Brown coming back and uh, you know playing a little Texas Tech action, the TCU A and M you know kind of the uh, the the swan song of the Big Twelve. Um, that would be great. A uh, and M reaching eight wins. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but yeah, that uh, that that Missouri Kansas game. I would love to see that because I'd like to see you know one final nail in the coffin coming uh, from old highlight watch and uh in his offense against missouri yeah so brian looking at this missouri game i mean missouri versus kansas one we know missouri's going to avoid it because they avoided it last year didn't they yes and, they, and they did didn't they declined their invite because they did not want to play kansas in the border war anymore yeah what the right. hell is that <laughs> <laughs> why are you forcing missouri to play kansas I'm uh, I don't know. I, well i just i think it's a it's a dream uh, i just want to see the border war again it's such a big 12 uh, matchup from that I used to watch growing up and you know it wouldn't be like it was in 2007 I mean you know most people in here that are under the age of 18 19 20 years old wouldn't understand it if I tried to explain to you that Kansas and Missouri was a top three matchup in 2007 and it actually meant something and so uh you know I just just the uh the nostalgia in me is is what wants to see that happen And, and like I said I was just having fun with it and it made sense. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I think that would be a really good matchup. And and uh, I I've definitely see Kansas being able to go seven and five with the schedule they've got. <clears throat> six and six for Missouri is attainable, but obviously they've they've got a lot more, more difficult <clears throat> schedule than Kansas does. So Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. hoping that we don't see them go six and six just because you know a particular recruit that everybody's talking about in the comments. I'm not getting into that situation. I don't know who you're talking about. So yeah, we're we're gonna leave that um, for another week and when it actually matters. But 
let's jump into practice. I want to talk about fall camp. Some get some of your thoughts, Brian, and what you've seen out there. Uh, we're of course excited because football's here, baby. Less than 13 days. Uh, camp wise, the notes. I have a video coming down the line with notes on um, what I've what I've been seeing and hearing uh, from some people I've talked to. There's excitement all around Oklahoma in at the Switzer Center about this team. So, Brian, kind of walk us through like what what some of the things that you're hearing on both sides of the ball. Let's start with defense because that's the one that everyone cares the most about. So, the first thing I want to talk about, which you know, being a former coach at the high school level, it all starts on the line of scrimmage. If you can't win at the LOS, there's no reason to play the game. You've got, you have to be able to win at the line of scrimmage. And the things that I have heard and seen at practice and, and, and heard from some people I've talked to defensive line is, is, is a team is a, is a unit on the team. That's, that's potentially looking like a strength. Uh, they've got a really good rotation. There's not a lot of drop off from first team to second team. Uh, and when I say that, that's something Oklahoma hasn't been able to say in a long time whenever you're talking about mm -hmm. the defensive line. And so, uh, you know, we, we saw it last year when, you know, your second team comes out to give the first team a breath. You can't stop a run on on second and eight. That, that's a problem. Well, I really do feel like there are some guys on that defensive line, like Dejon Terry that, that comes in where, where Isaiah Coe, Obviously, Jordan Kelly, who's been there for 40 years, uh, he, he's back again. He's looking good. The interior of that defensive line is looking really good, so we'll start with them. And then the secondary, obviously, has been somebody. We, we've heard some ups and downs on reports with them, but I really do like the young pieces that are coming in, right? You've got a lot of guys uh, that are that are coming back You know, with, with Billy Bowman, obviously, and you've got Woody Washington, but the things that you're hearing about Makari Vickers, the things that you're hearing about uh, the things that you're hearing about Gentry Williams, you know, there's several names there that, that are making an impact. And obviously you've got Peyton Bowen who is going to make his way onto the field at some point. Um, you know, you've got some guys that you can really, uh, really be excited about. And I haven't even talked about the best player on the, on the field. And, and that's Danny Stutzman. I mean, I think that guy's going to be incredible this year. He's got something to prove. So. Okay. So let's just jump into secondary real quick. And then, uh, Coop, I'm going to pass it on to you because I know you have some questions defensively. Um, Gentry Williams, right now the conversation is, is that he may have, little, he may have club, you know, sealed up that mm -hmm. other corner position right next to Woody Washington, in which Reggie Pearson, when he was here on the show, he raved about Woody and just how, how talented he is and said, yeah, this would be the year he'll put it all together and get it going. Um, let's talk about that. I know that the, after his scare, he's come back with the vengeance and he's come back with a new purpose and a new excitement. Let's talk about Gentry and in that battle that he has with Josiah Wagner, who looks like he's uh, at the young age, wants to take the starting spot. What, what are you hearing with that? Well, I, I know that that's going to be the main battle that you're looking for defensively between those two guys. And, and really, I wouldn't be surprised if if Gentry's the guy that trots out there with the first team when, when Arkansas State comes to town. I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Josiah Wagner is the guy. <laughs> Competitive debt, that is the word. <laughs> uh, yes, I am saying that, that that's what Oklahoma has right now uh, in the secondary. And as I was saying, either one of those guys wouldn't surprise me, but, but how long – 
again, how long has it been since since you've had a couple of guys uh, vying for that that spot, that starting uh, second cornerback uh, position? That you know, we've got two really young guys that are inexperienced, but they have ceilings potentially higher than we've seen at that spot in a long time. So. Uh, really good stuff out of both of those guys from what I've heard, and, and I'm hoping I see a little bit more this week. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Oh, Coop, go ahead. I know you got something to add. So you just uh, – it's like the offensive line. You can only have a a, a congealed, um, you know, all kind of uh, one, one mindset uh, offensive line when they've got time to work with each other. And so we're going to see a little bit of that with that defensive backfield. With so many guys back there, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say already, Josiah Wagner's already cemented himself in the two deep at, at the corner, cornerback, uh, cornerback's position. So you got Woody and you've, and, and Josiah is one that not a lot of people, when he was, you know, because of Peyton Bowen and some of the other names, nobody mm-hmm. was really super thrilled about Josiah. But Josiah is a dadgum bulldog. He is getting out there and he is, and he is pushing it. Uh, Gentry just has the body. And um, if you're looking at, um, you know, an NFL defensive back, he's got all the measurables for that. Now the mental stuff needs to happen, right? Um, back in the back end, um, y- what you, you keep on hearing Peyton Bowen's name thrown around. Dude has played in five different positions all through camp. You, they say that he is mentally, he is there. So, you know, we have had a Patrick Fields or a Justin Broyles you know, who stays in there because they at least know what they're doing. What do they have the physical and athletic capabilities to do that? You know, that was always left um, a little bit more on the um, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for desired, but Peyton Bowen's <laughs> a five-star safety and do not be surprised if you see him trotting out there early and often uh, Woody Woody is the one that, you know, I do, I do have the question on, um, you know, is this pushing him to be stronger and a better defensive back or does he uh, does he go out there and think that it's uh, it's something that he has been uh, just given because uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who want to boot his ass off the field and it's not nothing against him. It's they want playing time. They didn't come here mm-hmm. so that they could be a second second string defensive back. Uh, so if you have that starting safety is most likely Peyton Bowen, Reggie Pearson, you're going to have guys coming in. Um, but look at look at a Peyton Bowen switching in a lot with uh, with the Sam McCullough and Justin Harrington um, at, at that cheetah spot because um, he, he he is that dude and he is going to get better. And um, again, I, I just I, I, this is exciting because um, I, I bring this up all the time. I remember going back to the old Texas A&M game, Eric Bassey out at uh, safety for the first time. And I think they scored 31 on us. And I remember losing my ever-loving mind and saying, how can we allow 31 points in a football game? And over the past couple of years, I would prayed for 31. Prayed for 31 only. And so you've got uh, got the defensive line, uh, like Brian was talking about. You've got guys who are everywhere, um, freaks of nature, uh, you know, with uh, PJ Adeboare, who still, again, is just starting to understand what his position is. And those two are going to have a symbiotic relationship with that defensive line and that defensive backfield, because instead yeah. of them just coming up and being supporters, you know, you put pressure on it. Now you got a lot of floating balls out there and we've got a lot of guys who want to do something. If a ball comes their way, you're seeing, um, yeah. you know, you saw in the scrimmage with Peyton Bowen, you know, on Andrew Anthony, um, you, you've heard people picking uh, Peyton picked off uh, Jackson the other day in practice. 
and uh, those guys know each other. So, uh, yeah. you know, we've been beating each other up, but now we're starting to hear some uh, some good stuff. So I don't I, I don't uh, envy any of the first five opponents. And now Iowa State might be the weakest of those five opponents since they are out five plus starters. But do they um, even have a team like right now? Are, are we are they going <clears> to <throat> field a team this year? Because I'm, I'm truly curious to, if that roster even exists. Because I know more charges are going to come down the line with these kids. They're, the, the ones that got caught aren't the only ones. It's I'm pretty sure, tough, man. I'm pretty it's sure gonna... Matt Campbell probably asked Lincoln Riley about those, uh, you know, walk-on tryouts that he was running <laughs> because they're so short on their their depth. Exactly. Okay, so Brian, go back to you on this, Jacoby. So I know Valai and them were praising him hard when it comes to his just versatility and athleticism and mm-hmm. his ability to play on both sides of the ball. What is it looking like with him as far as rotation on the defensive side? Are you hearing anything on him getting in more? Um, I'm really curious. He's probably the one player outside of Vickers that I'm truly curious about where he places on the roster right now. I, I'm curious myself to be completely honest with you, because that's a guy, I think there's just so many names back there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I think everybody in these first few games, I expect we just, us to see a lot of rotation and see how some guys play out. Um, but, but really, I think once you get to this point, because fall camp's going to start winding down here pretty quick, right? We're not going to have injuries this late in the game. We're going to be making sure that some of these younger guys are getting some more, some more time. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see here in the next few days, um, maybe some reports about him making some, some more plays and things like that, given more opportunities um, but when when the lights come on uh, down there at Memorial Stadium and it's time for for the guys to step out on the field in front of 80,000 and play, I think we're going to see some guys uh, elevate. And I think Jacoby is one of those guys. He's an incredible athlete. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's somebody that, that works himself into the two deep as well. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 makes sense because as Coop even mentioned a minute ago, we talked about Cheetah Row and how they're – one of the reports is that we're going to see Bowen as well as Pearson rotating in Cheetah because they're trying to find a way to keep them on the field as much as possible and still be able to leverage the depth that we have, which makes sense. I mean, I think Peyton Bowen's probably by end of the season, he may end up being our best defensive player and as a freshman, which is a wild thing to even think and say, but that is just how talented the kid is. I I can really see that coming down. So yes, as everybody knows, we got a bunch of competitive depth on the defensive side of the ball. Let's move in offense. Before God, you move in offense, I want to I, I want to point this out, <clears throat> and it is a play on the 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 word. Yes, <laughs> you guys don't, don't. I like that you didn't use it. <laughs> don't be, don't be surprised if we hear some names venturing out to the transfer portal soon on this defense. Um, you've seen it in recruiting. They're, they're not just throwing out offers just to anybody. They're not, they're not just, they're not just bringing anybody up. Um, they, you got to be an absolute dude to come in and play in this back defensive backfield. You cannot be a, a guy that we're taking a, taking a, a shot out at. So right. um, there's, there's so many players. And, and again, you know, how about Jack says, well, how about trace Ford? Trace Ford is going to be put on a pitch count, but he is going to wreak freaking havoc when he plays. And we're going to be asking for more and more and more of him. 
Um, but there's guys, Josh McQuishan actually put in his fearless 20 that he expects Danny Stutzman to lead college football in tackles. And it doesn't mean because our defensive line's dog crap. It means because he is going to get <laughs> unleashed and he is going to have a free, uh, some free space in front of him and he's going to be able to diagnose. So yeah, if you're excited about the defense, I'm not going to go as far as Jay said, you know, we're not going to let a point go the first 17 weeks of the season or whatever you said, but uh, it was, it was fine. It was five games, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, be excited wow. because when we go out there and, you know, we're pushing for a shutout in, in, in a couple of these games, people are going to start losing their minds. They're going to start going, what that these, these are cupcakes to start the, start the season off. We will learn a lot in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, the first five games is going to lead to that. Go ahead, Brian. And before we before we get off the de- defensive side of the ball, I think we'd be would be remiss if we didn't we didn't bring up the name Kendall Dolby in the defensive backfield as well. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's a guy that you know he was NJCAA Defensive Player of the Year last year, <clears throat> uh, and he makes plays. He makes them look seamless. He's he's a guy that the physical side of defensive of defensive football is coming back to Oklahoma, and that's going to be one of those guys that you see bring that physicality back. Um, I'm really yeah. excited about him as well. So. That's a great point, and I know that Pearson mentioned about him. Well, his his basic assessment of him was get, he needs to get out of his own head, and he's got it. He's just got to get his out of, out of his own head at this level, and he'll be able to really be mm-hmm. uh, impactful. And it makes sense. I mean, so you're looking at your two deep. You're looking at what Woody and Gentry is your bookends, followed by probably Josiah, Josiah and, and and then Dolby, and probably Dolby. Dolby. Yep. It sounds like Dolby would be there, and if you go three deep. You're looking at what Vickers, um, and depending on who else you want to have at corner, that's what I mean. I heard Jacoby, Jacoby. played a little Jacoby corner, maybe, uh, but he's he's mixed between corner and safety, so he's like that. He's so versatile, he can do everything, and he's a giant basketball mm-hmm. player. So, yeah, it be excited, folks. We've got a lot of secondary players that we can we can talk through um, on this defense. I wanted to do defensive line, but. That's going to be like a four-hour conversation, and so we'll move on from that. And we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball real quick because there was a question in here from my guy, Monty uh, Cisco, as you all know him on the um, the Twitter game. He's asking about our guy, uh, DJ Graham, which I'm hearing he is hurt right now. He's out for a couple of weeks is my, what I've heard. Brian, have you heard anything as far as uh, what Coach, Coach Brent Venables has said about uh, his situation? I, I haven't any heard anything other than that, that he's dealing with something uh, that's going to keep him out for a little bit. I uh, don't know what the extent of that is just yet, but uh, I, I would imagine that uh, we're not going to see him trotting out at least week one. Uh, and I would expect uh, to hear some more about him uh, in the coming weeks. Agreed. And you got to, you also got to throw out with the, and we'll probably slide right into the offensive side, but with the rise that. You know, DJ Graham made that move over there because he wanted to, and we had a lot of playmakers on the defensive backside. Well, now in this camp, you're hearing so many different receivers. So when I put it in the chat, like, don't be, you know, don't be, uh, you know, down on DJ. Just be up on several of the other names that are that are also doing exactly. And now that he's hurt, you know, maybe we see him in blowout time later in the year. But I, you know, I, I believe that they want to see what he's got. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what what he can do long term. Somebody mentioned uh, who was I listening to? Um, oh, um, Sewers Illustrated that on their pod they had talked about uh, DJ and 
the potential of leveraging him in situational pieces because he's so physical. Because, I mean, coming from the – he played wide receiver in high school, moved yeah. to corner and college, and he's built up a physicality to his game that you put him in some situational stuff on the offensive side, you know, short yardage, um, anything of that nature, you could probably get more – impact out of them but the biggest problem is is we'll be honest here as we move forward into the offensive side is that wide receiver room is looking really 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 good and players are stepping up nick anderson is a name i've been hearing andrew anthony mm. it sounds like he's got that outside book in next to farouk locked up um for the most part you're hearing a ton about Gavin Freeman on top of Drake Stoops. I'm wondering if Gavin's going to try to steal Drake Stoops' job at the slot constantly. Uh, but Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson are the two that, to me, I want to talk about real quick. Brian, um, I know you've heard some good things around that. I'm seeing Jaden Gibson make catches. Like, that warms my heart. Like, like what do we do? Like, like I was losing my mind at the fact that this man's getting catches. Brian, how are you feeling about the wide receivers? I feel really good. I, I like the the depth that they've brought. I'm going to refrain from using the phrase, but I like the depth <laughs> that they have at that position. Competitive depth. We'll throw yeah. it out there. <laughs> Competitive depth. <laughs> you know, it was the biggest question mark coming into to the summer. You know, everybody was wondering who was going to be that guy to step up and, and talk about how we're going to replace Marvin Mims. How are they going to do, uh, you know, who's going to step up and be that wide receiver one? And what I think you've seen is everybody in that room has, has seemingly elevated uh, their play. And you, you brought up Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson. I really – I'm excited about those guys. One, because they both have NFL body types, which, yeah. you know, to see guys that have that length and that speed and still have that explosiveness, those are the kinds of guys that you were – maybe you could argue Oklahoma may have been lacking at times last season outside of Marvin Mims – and you have them there, it's just now a it's a matter of getting them to produce. And I think they're going to have mm -hmm. their opportunities. I would imagine Jaden Gibson spent more time at the jugs machine in the last several months than he has probably in his bed at night. So I would imagine Ooh. that he, he's probably been – he's been working really hard. They've been really adamant about that group being, uh, being very – uh, push towards being physical with Emmett Jones and their blocking and things like that. So I've heard good things about both of those guys. I would not be surprised if either one of those guys ends up becoming uh, a, a lightning rod for the fan base because they make explosive play after explosive play. Oh, I love hearing that and and watching and seeing the videos that OU has put out on Andrew Anthony catching deep passes, Jaden Gibson getting himself some touchdowns, and of course the one that was the one they dropped today and was mm. hyped. And I sent it to a few people. I'm like, guys, I think we might have it. The six five giant that runs a nice four four five four five forty is going to show out this year. Can we get yeah. excited? Should we lose our mind now? And everybody's like, no, 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 calm down. Jay, calm your nerves. Calm your nerves. Calm your nerves. But I, I don't like thinking. I, I, I want. I, he is the player. Last season, he had one drop at the beginning of the year, which kind of basically was detrimental to his development for the rest of the season because we didn't see him much. But he caught a pass over the middle. He, he dropped the pass over the middle. If he had caught that, that was a touchdown. And I was looking at that like, man, okay, what, what we got to do to get you back at that level? How do we get that? So. Um, yeah, that, that, that was that's kind of what my feelings are around wide receiver. But we look at running back. Like, we're looking at some of these guys running through now. Mm. Megwa, good God, 29. Tywee Walker, Jesus Christ. They're both huge human beings. 23, that's uh, Megwa. 
right there. Are we going to get to see him? I heard that his knee is getting better. I think his knee may be good enough, but the problem is, is that that might be the deepest running back room Oklahoma's had in a long time. I mean, a lot of competitive depth, guys. <laughs> Pinky up. Mm-hmm. You're right. 100% there, agree. Man, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, that group is, is just, I mean, just think about you look back at what you had with Samaje Piran and, and Joe Mixon. Was that 2015 when, when they really both, they both made a major impact? Yes. You could have that with Gavin. You could have that with Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, and they're only sophomores and, and redshirt freshmen. So I really like I, I like the dynamic there. And then obviously Caleb Hicks has, has made all kinds of noise uh, on top of Dalen Smothers and uh, Tawi Walker is getting praise from the coaching staff. They all look really really good. Oh, even on top of that, the one name that I've been hearing a lot of has been Marcus Major too. Mm. Like like exactly. Lebby has been talking heavy on him so cool what you think about with these running backs and uh and wide receivers how you feeling so let's go wide receivers start this off and i'll try to make this as fast as possible petaway's body was the number one question for him coming in because he had the mm. speed um yes. he the physicality was the was what was going to be there if this cat would have been here as an early enrollee i think we have him slotted as a starter right now um but he wasn't um he was a late enrollee he is going to make plays. Now, what does that look like and how long do we wait for those things? You know, I, I got to I gotta think that when you look at that room and you're Emmett Jones, you look at that room and you think, all right, where where do my playmakers, where are they at? And then you also have to say, where is my, uh, where are the people who are 100% locked in? Because if you run a play for another wide receiver and it's not for you and then you're out there not doing a job blocking, you're not going to be on the field. So they need the blocking game to start things off. Also, we don't have a superstar at quarterback who is going to ad-lib a bunch of stuff. So if you have a route called, you need to run that route. You don't need to have the excuses of defensive backs throwing you off the route. You got to be where you're supposed to be. And that is going to be what Dylan Gabriel is going to reward with the ball is, are you at where you're supposed to be? So you've got a room that really, I mean, six weeks ago, I was nervous about. I was really nervous about. Um, I, I was really uh, also looking for um, who's the cat who had to go to JUCO uh, was the freshman uh, um, wide receiver. Oh, you're talking about uh, yep. Keon Brown. Thank you. There it Keon is. Keon Brown. I was really, really hoping for Keon Brown to come in. But you are seeing more of Jaden Gibson. They need him to be good. They need Anderson to be healthy. Um, but with Petaway, Gibson, Freeman, Andrew Anthony, um, all these guys, th these are going to be, we're going to have a lot of opportunity and we'll get to the tied in room. But I think that running back and receiver are going to have to take up a lot of slack from that tied in room because that tied in room is, is the big question mark for this team now going forward. Uh, running backs, you, you said it. Nobody wants Tawi Walker in the backfield. <laughs> if, if Javante has an issue, Chuck needs a breather. And that little bastard comes in. Everybody says right away, they don't like tackling him. He runs into the line and people cannot put, I mean, they don't want to put hands on him. And then when they do, not much happens. So there, he is going to have himself a, 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 a role in this and, you know, a role on this team. But right there, you talk about Javante Sawchuk, Major Tawi Walker, and that's 
that's four running backs. Remind me what the fifth running back usually does. And again, listen, we we've had a lot of running back issues over over time, and Javante's had a few nicks and bruises. We haven't seen Sawchuck for a full year, so it's good. I'm glad we've got this because if you pull out a DJ Hicks, uh, DJ Hicks, oh good God, um, if you yeah, sorry, if you pull him out, that's a uh, he's he's switched positions. Good Lord, um, but if you pull out a Hicks. And he is out here throwing throwing good stuff Caleb as, Hicks, a, yes. as a freshman. Caleb Hicks, <laughs> not DJ Hicks. Sweet Jesus. Um, uh, hurt, hurt <laughs> not, you're not supposed to hurt. But, um, you know, Hicks coming in, you know, that that's a cat that they're going to want to probably try to redshirt. But how many of these guys are going to force themselves onto the field? And then yeah, sure. if Migwa decides that, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and come in and, and hurt some people he has the capability of doing it too. So yeah, it, it, you, this room is the deepest it's been in, in God knows how long. And do we have the Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, Samaje P Ryan? I, I don't know yet. We've got a lot of guys who want to show that they are that guy though. Yeah. Thanks Kim for stating that again. Mm. Caleb Hicks guys, Caleb Hicks. Caleb Hicks, Caleb uh, Hicks. But, oh, uh, <laughs> okay, so, so Brian, with that, since we're talking about the depth of this, you know, this running back room, can we get 2,000-yard rushes again? Because the last time we had it was, what, Mixon and P. Ryan. If you want to count Jalen Hurts and Kennedy Brooks. So, if we add, if we count the Hurts or the Kyler Murray seasons, there's a chance for 3,000-yard runners. You think we got a chance of getting two, though? I'm not going to count it out. I, I like I like I like Jeff Levy's outside zone. The scheme that he runs. There's a lot of zone and and is a running back's best friend, in my opinion. I don't know why more people don't run it. There are there are a lot that do, but behind what we have heard has been a really good offensive line to this point in in, the, in fall camp. I am not going to count that out. And I think with the rotation you're going to have, really really what it's going to come down to is do guys stay healthy enough. You got to have yeah. guys that stay healthy, and we know Marcus Major has has had some issues uh, w- with health in the past. Obviously, like like you mentioned, uh, Javante Barnes had had some nicks and cuts last year that that he had to deal with. So if we can stay healthy and have a couple of guys stay up there towards the top of the depth chart, yes. But I would also, you know, even if they don't have two one thousand yard rushers, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw three or four guys go over the five hundred yard mark. I mean, it's just it's that the room is that deep. I mean, it's just really, really good. So uh, I like where that position's at. And, uh, you know, the guys, I want to shout out the guys that uh, that were calling out DeMarco Murray a couple of years ago for not being a good recruiter. What are you talking about? Where are you at right. now? <laughs> you're not talking anymore. Go home. You're ain't drunk. hurt. Yes, ain't exactly. hurt. Not nail one of them <laughs> at all in the last two years, especially after and even getting Taylor Tatum this year in the class. And so we can transition into recruiting right now before we wrap things up and let everybody enjoy the rest of their evening. Before we move forward, make sure you hit that like subscribe button. Um, if you are here in the YouTube channel, we've got 44 likes with over 140 viewers. That tells me that somebody's not hitting that like button. So, folks, hit the button, show some love, and support the channel as Coop shows you his big fingers. But let's talk about the recruiting portion of it because that was a great segue, Brian, talking about DeMarco Murray and how people were questioning his capabilities. Right now, everybody's questioning Bates. <clears throat> I have a video I've been working on for a while. Um, I still got to figure out how I want to uh, say it in a very nice manner, but we're all questioning Ty Bates, right? 
without realizing that at Clemson, it took them about five years to get their first five-star defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. They ate off of the high threes and fours to build those elite defenses, and then the five-star started to follow, in which, my personal opinion, that's exactly what we're going to have to do here because I don't know if y'all realize this, but we haven't recruited a five-star defensive lineman since 2009 and got him to come to Oklahoma. It's been a while since any regime, and this is the Bob Stoops era, mm -hmm. any regime has actually brought in elite defensive line play. It's just not, it doesn't seem like either A, it wasn't a big focus, or B, it's a challenge. And so I know, you know, the last few have stung, but we know more will come down the line. But remember, time will tell, time will come we will see fruits from that because I think, honestly, uh, before I pass this off, the one thing that I think that Bates and them can do to help with their problem with these def getting five-star players, because uh, all five-star defensive linemen, quarterbacks, and offensive linemen are divas. They're the most sought-after position by every single top school in the country because that's the most important things. You need a quarterback to throw it a line to protect them, and a defensive line to go get theirs. You've got those three, you are golden, and you'll look like Georgia, Bama, and all of them. Transfer portal is going to have to be the life of our uh, coaching staff for a while. Go get some dudes that's been humbled, but I also have the tools, and let them come on here and uh, show out with actual development. Because once they get the money, they realize, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work out for me. I'm not being developed good enough. They'll come through. So besides that, Bryant, talk to us recruiting-wise. How are you feeling about the Stone commitment on Saturday? You feeling good? You got questions? What's your thoughts? So the first thing I want to talk about is I'm not going to get on my full soapbox about Todd Bates <laughs> because I will defend that man to the end of the earth. Same. Uh, I, I, I don't understand. I, I get where OU fans are coming from, but you need to understand, as you said, we are in an NIL era now. The first position that's going to get that money is quarterback, but the second is interior defensive line. Mm -hmm. Everybody is going to offer that guy, you know, whoever it is, that five star, they're going to offer him money. And so you're, you're up against that. And you also, you, you know, you can tell them how great it's going to look at Oklahoma, but until you can show them Oklahoma film and not Clemson film, it's going to make a difference. And so when these guys that he's got working, and this year start making some plays and we have some, you know, the defensive line looks different. It's going to make a difference in that recruiting pitch. Now switching gears to, to stone. I I'm under the, I'm under the opinion that it's been Oklahoma for so long. I understand some of the fire that's out there on Twitter and things that are good. You know, we're starting to have meltdowns before we have Oklahoma Twitter already having meltdowns before anything actually comes <laughs> down because they've been here with, with DJ Hicks and they've been here with all, you know, they've been here with all these guys uh, and they've seen it, but he he's an, he's an Oklahoma kid at heart. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm rolling with, with Oklahoma on that pick until I'm, until I'm completely convinced otherwise. Um, it, it just feels like that's, that's where he's, he's been destined to end up. He got Jaden Jackson here uh, for, for an official visit. It, it kind of seemed like, you know, I don't think it was a coincidence at all that he was on that official visit with him. Uh, you know, you can, you can take that for what it's worth. I, I wasn't there. I haven't spoken to either of the kids, but 
Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. He's high school uh, teammates with that guy, and he, he wants him to come to Oklahoma. It, things could change day to day. We all know we've all been 17, 18 years old, and we all understand how decisions are made at that age. So it, one thing might sound good one day, and it might sound completely different another. I just I still feel that stones the sooner whenever it comes time to put pen to paper. Yep. I'm I'm there with you. And uh Forrest, no, I didn't get PJ. PJ is an edge, so he's not classified as defensive lineman <laughs> in some it's weird. It's it's weird classifications. But yes, PJ counts as last year, and he's a five star plus. The best part is we pulled him out of Missouri. We took him out of Missouri's backyard. We took two players. The top two players out of the state of Missouri came to Oklahoma last year. So, of course, Missouri was not going to let that happen to them again. But I say that because the some of the players we have on our list now that we could potentially land, I think they move into the five-star plus status just like P.J. did. Because when P.J. committed, he was a three-star on most boards. On three was the only one that had him as a five-star. He moved into four-star range on 24-7. And then from there, by the end of the season, everybody had him five-star plus because they realized how much of a monster he is. And so we pulled a top 10 player in the country on the defensive line. Chavis and Bates were working together on that. Bates has still got work to do because it's hard to get down defensive linemen because Georgia has made them really the premium because they've proven if you got that and you command and you uh, control the line, the scrimmage, you're going to be good. Um, but that, but Brian, you're spot on. Like I said, I can defend Bates as well on this just because of how difficult it is. The stone piece, I'm in your same boat. I said this before, and I'm going to reiterate it. I had more confidence in Winery than I did Stone coming here, and we saw what Winery did. I still think Stone ends up at Oklahoma. The only thing that jumped out to me in all of this, in which I warned y'all, Miami smoke was coming, and now we're here. Here's all the Miami smoke, and this is the reason why. Stone lives in Florida. His mama and them live here. His mama don't want to live here no more. Stone's in Florida. I want y'all to understand that. If he goes to Miami, she moves to Miami, and she's there with him all the time. Because financially, it makes sense. You can do it easily at that point because of the NIL he's going to get. He's going to have to convince them that Oklahoma's better and to basically put on pause where they want to live until he goes pro. That is the conversation and the, the, the piece that will have to be done by Stone. He's going to have to, if he really wants Oklahoma, his convincing is, Mom, look, let me have my three years at Oklahoma because he will not make it past three years. He's that talented in the way they will develop him. He won't make it past three years. Give me my three years at Oklahoma. We can move wherever I get drafted. And that's also where your other problem lies is where the hell he gets drafted because you don't get a choice. And you are welcome for us on the clarification. Thank you for the $10. We appreciate the support on the channel. Um, but yeah, it's all about where he, if, if his sister does live in Norman, that yeah. is definitely true. And it's, and it's been noted that he would like to live with her. Um, so yes, that is very much true. But just keep that in mind. If Miami ends up being the pick, just like I said with Winery, it's not over until they sign on the line, which is dotted. If the pick is us, it is not over until the, 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 they sign on the line, which is dotted. So keep that in mind as we go through this. It would be less stressful if we have them there because, of course, we'll be able to pull in more players and be able to make it look better and make it more appealing and harder to want to leave or, or flip. Just keep that in mind. For him, mom wants out of Oklahoma. 
that is the all where this Miami smoke is coming in. So we'll see if he decides to uh, step over her and, and, and take it, take matters in his own hands. Coop. How you feeling about this stone piece? Then we're going to wrap into Andy Bass and, and let everybody go home. Well, let's make this uh, real clear. Uh, in 2017, Todd Bates becomes the defensive tackle, defensive coordinator over at Clemson. Can you guess how many defensive tackles they landed in 2017? The answer is zero. You guys were too slow. Zero defensive <laughs> tackles. In 2018, he pulls in Josh Belk, a four-star defensive tackle, and Darnell Jeffries, a three-star defensive tackle. 2019, he pulls in Taquan Johnson, a three-star, Tyler Davis, a four-star. Uh, some guy's name I won't try to, but that was it. So he, you know, after three years, he still had not pulled one of those guys into Clemson. Um, you saw what he did with all those guys. You saw what he took over and the production that that turned into. So, you know, this one is a different game. This is Todd Bates is not playing um, the same game this year as he was in 2017 because NIL, like Brian was talking about, is this is a completely different game. Uh, game. Now, everybody who said, oh, you need to step up the NIL. Oh, you have stepped up in the NIL. But when you're Oklahoma, you're Georgia, you're Alabama – you're not going to put everything in all that money on one because that's going to be hell in the locker room because you're going to have guys like uh, Isaiah Coe. You're going to have um, all the other defensive linemen and they walk in and a dude who's not done anything yet. That's like taking, you know, somebody at number one draft pick uh, like a Jimmy Clausen thinking it's going to, you know, change your, change your program. And it just, it bails, it fails. It's bad. So, um, I, I think with stone, you got to do the sister stuff. You know, obviously she's there. That was a dream of them living together. The Miami smoke guys, when, when you're, when you're a five-star defensive lineman, you're going to have another team who says, Hey, listen, we're right now. We're the silver medal. We can throw our entire lives at them. But the great thing is, is you don't have to worry about what Miami has been doing because they haven't done a lot. And so uh, I think that Stone does end up as a Sooner. I think that there has been some kind of a conversation with him and the coaching staff for a long time. The Miami stuff is right. It, like, it's not going to be a, a, you know, like a unanimous, hey, listen, I've always been OU. This is it. He knows that that's the best place for him to, uh, to be developed. That was one of his last quotes. But again, if mama wants to go to Miami, she's going to push for it. But when it comes down to it, he can say, listen, I'm going to make a ton of money. I will have my life set up in Oklahoma. And I will be able to make money from Oklahoma fans for years and years to come. He ain't coming yep. back to Oklahoma in four years after going to Miami. That ain't going to happen. So he would have to give up home. And so we can't sit there and dog on uh, Nwaneri because he did the same thing. And then, you know, sit there and, you know, say, well, Stone doesn't care about Oklahoma. Like he does care about Oklahoma. Um, as far as the rest of the recruiting pieces, we're still in on a lot of these guys on the defensive line. Um, rumors are rumors. Okay. You can't talk about Dom McKinley and say like, well, I think I heard he's leaning Texas. Every he's leaning somewhere. Someone's going to report he's leaning somewhere everywhere. Right. And so you just have to do this is you, you, you put in, uh, some work on the field this year and a lot of heads will start turning. Um, we could go into the Nwari stuff, uh, from the uh, union scrimmage. That boy did not sound like things were done. 
He didn't. I was there. Uh, you know, it, John Hoover, myself, George Stoya, uh, Trav, you know, all of us were sitting there right next to him. The cleats, the gloves, those were all real. He said he wanted to show some love. He said he made his decision. It felt like the good choice for him at the moment. All this stuff is December, guys. Line that is dotted. Hang in there. We go out. We put a product on the field that makes people go, oh, shit. They turned, uh, you know, how many of these cats into actual ball players? And that's going to, that's going, I mean, it's rising tide raises all boats, right? So yep. um, I, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, you got to trust in Venables, uh, Bates, Chavis, and just, we all thought that we were going to have 17, you know, five-star defensive linemen commit to this class. <laughs> and, you know, anything less than that was a failure. Guys, three years ago, if I said, hey, listen, this is what we're going to end up at, people would have been like, what do you need from me? What, I'll do whatever yeah. I need for like to have a shot because we weren't in the mix in 2018 for five-star defensive linemen. Weren't. Now, I need you to go look at who Georgia brought in on the defensive line um, back when Kirby Smart verse started. It, it took them about a year. They started developing a lot of four-stars and three-stars, and that's when they started to see that dominance. So, I mean, of course, Georgia's always brought in five stars because they're in the state of Georgia. I mean, you better mm -hmm. get at least one or two five stars in state, right? Yeah. And if you've noticed, as NIL's gone down, a lot of these players are sticking closer to home. Uh, uh, correction, they're sticking closer to their current location. Let's put it that way. Because I've seen some IMG guys go to Miami because it's right there by where they're currently at. Um, yeah. I've seen like your Georgia guys stay close. Uh, Don McKinley, which is a fascinating case study right now. He's definitely being, uh, courted by everyone and LSU looks like they're not even in the mix, but, th mm. but there's their story behind why LSU doesn't look like they, uh, are that he's leaning, uh, LSU and we won't get into that here on the channel, but there's story behind that. And then you look at Winery who stayed right next door to home because mom wants him to be home. And shout out to the state of Missouri. That NIL uh, law that they passed to keep in-state players in-state, geez, whew, yep. that was, that's amazing because I was incorrect in my assessment. They can make money. He can make money starting September 1st as long as he signs a financial agreement, which isn't legally binding, just some sort of financial agreement that he's going to go to Missouri, which means he could do like, you know, financial aid, which means that if he does financial aid now, that means he's doing his financial aid for the spring semester. But I've heard that he's not a spring enrollee. Weird. But for the financial piece showing that he's going to go there, he's he's basically in, in, in the boat to do that. And so keep that in mind. A lot of the factors around money and travel is about where do these people want to live. If a player wants to leave their state, you go after them. If a player wants to stay in state, Unless they're in Oklahoma, you probably don't want to pursue them because the local money is going to keep them. David Hicks is the perfect example because he's literally an hour and some change away from College Station It it and whatever happened with his dad. But anyway, Andy Bass, wrap it up. We're going to put a bow in it. We're going to keep you out for too long, folks. I know that everyone hates the fact that it's pay to play, but hey, this is our world, baby. We're going, we're going to enjoy it, and we're going to win a lot more battles, especially once we start winning these games. Six and seven, and we still finish with a top four class. That, that ish is mm -hmm. impressive. We should be happy with that. And so, Brian, when you see Andy Bass out here on the field, talk to me. He commits on the 24th. I'm anticipating Oklahoma and the way that he's playing. He plays. It looks like he's going to be a gadget player. How do you feel about Andy Bass coming to Oklahoma? Um, so, obviously, I feel good about him 
ended up at Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, I love the Heritage Hall uh, pipeline that we've seen every couple of years. It seems like we'll get a really big playmaker out of there. So that that's a that's a really good thing for the Sooners. Something just as an Oklahoma high school guy, I, I just I love it whenever guys that get the recognition that they deserve, and Annie Bass is one of those. This guy, you know. I'm not going to compare him to Taysom Hill because that's just a guy that you, you know you've, you've seen mm-hmm. make crazy plays at the NFL level, but he's kind of got that that same kind of feel, right? You know, you put him several different positions on the field and he can make plays for you, uh, and I think that's what he's going to be for Oklahoma. And when you look at it, the kind of guys that Brent Venables are, is bringing in or, or trying to bring in, it's not just this is what you can do for us on the field, but but also it's the mentality that they bring right and from everything that i've heard and read about about bass he, he's the right kind of kid to, to fit into this new culture that oklahoma's trying to build so if you have somebody that's willing to work hard and somebody that has the talent as you see here on the on the field um <laughs> you know you go and get him and i think andy bass is that guy he's a freak and 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 i saw some pictures of him just he's he's stocky i think the big yes. thing about him is size he's not as huge as a Taysom hill but you're right he really is a good comparison because he's one of those players that can do multiple spots and as you can see he's stiff arming much bigger players than him he's got the talent to play everywhere and the good thing is demarco murray's recruiting him so it looks like he'll be the quote unquote third running back in the room but he won't be just a running back because i know that was actually the one thing about Caden Durham and his recruitment was there were two things that I heard about him. One, he was very interested in, you know, being a quote unquote feature bag, but at the same time was interested in playing slot receiver and being moving around the field in which I think that was why we were looking at him as the third receiver, third running back for this class with uh, Tatum as well as Xavier Robinson. Bass is that too. Like he may not be as fast as Durham because Durham is a track guy, but mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit more agile. I think, as you mentioned, Taysom Hill, he can be a 2.0 type version of him. He's one of those you put in, he'll be at the quarterback position and he'll run a, he can run a, um, a end around flea flicker and end a wide open at wide receiver. It's just, he's got those capabilities. And so I totally love that comparison to Hill. The, the, this is the guy we've all played backyard football and there was that little dude who just ran a hundred percent every single play. And you're like, dude, take a break, take a break. Bro. <laughs> like, come on now. You know, we saw Cole Adams leave for Alabama last year. And I think that he was a little bit like this. Um, but this guy just has it. Like he is a guy who he knows angles. He knows uh, spacing. And again, you, you, you see what Drake Stoops does and poor guy is going to get forgotten. If his name was Drake Allen or something like that, you know, I think that we'd already be passing him by, but because he's a Stoops boy, you know, nobody wants to just let him go. But now with Freeman coming in, Freeman's doing these things. Uh, imagine this in a few years, you've got a backfield with Andy Bass and Xavier Robinson, and then Taylor Tatum's taking a breath on the sideline. Mm. You know, you, you you think that like because you either have a dude who's going to throw you like Derrick Henry and we've all seen the Xavier Robinson, you know, scrimmage uh, uh, highlights from the other night. Or then you have this shifty little dude and he is going to tweak you and then all of a sudden you're going to have him square up and he's going to lay a shoulder into you. It's just it's just not fair. And this guy, again, we talked about it in the past. This is a uh, this is a guy who doesn't end up at Oklahoma a few years ago, but this is somebody that. Uh, brings character, brings heart, brings work ethic, 
And nobody is going to want to chase this guy around all over the practice field. And so once you can unleash him, it's going to be great. So, yeah, I, I'm super pumped about him. And this is, uh, you know, also if we ever end up in the Texas game situation, we don't have a quarterback, throw him back. <laughs> I, uh, I want to add something to that real quick. You know, my dad, you can call him a, an old head, I guess. Is that the, is that the thing that we call them old heads? Guys that like like those old school style players that, that, uh, that, that make plays any way that they can. I really get the feel with Bass that he's the kind of guy you throw him out there on special teams as a freshman and he makes this crazy play. And you're like, who is that? People that maybe aren't as tied in. He's that kind of guy. I think he's going to do whatever he can, can help you out wherever he can on the field to help you win. And, and that's the kind of guy that, that you're getting in Bass. So he's an exciting addition. So basically Gavin Freeman, you know, get yeah, your first carry exactly. and you run yeah. as an end around for a touchdown. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Hair to end around with, this, with a pirouette, <laughs> with a pirouette in the middle of it. And he basically Quentin Griffin's himself from touching the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, we're going to wrap this bad boy up. I, I see, I see uh, my boy Stubby in here with some statements on Oklahoma needs to make more money. Uh, l- let me address that real quick. I'm going to do a video on that very soon about the last four, three years of finances that have come in from like the, the athletic departments of revenue coming in and all that jazz. Oklahoma's top 10 in the country, like the last like 10 years, just about every year they're in the top 10. They're between they're but usually between three and eight. One of those years we were number one, I think Lincoln Riley's last season here uh, actually, the season before his last season, we were, we were the top earning school in the country. Keep that in mind. That includes Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama. This was all from uh, Wall Street Journal and all of them doing that, the, the number stuff that they do. We got money. We are very selective of how we spend it. The problem is, is that all, some, in some situations, no dollar amount will keep will get a player to leave where they're at to come here as Texas. They have the same problem. They're throwing NIL money to a lot of players and kids still pick other schools instead of them. It just happens both ways. It sucks. Um, I'll, like I said, I, I will pull it up. I, I've, I've actually read a few of the articles on it. It's fascinating how much money Oklahoma brings in. You're like, dang, where'd this come from? Like how did Oklahoma, do yeah so we're not broke (laughs) we just it's just selective spending and it's just more so convincing kids to leave home that don't want to leave home it's 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 unfortunate especially in nil world some of them some of them their mamas are very influential in the i if i would rather you stay close to home than i don't have to leave my house and other moms are like i want to get the hell up out of here can you move me to a pretty city (laughs) and we always gonna take care of mama right i mean Keep it a buck. If you you know you get rich tomorrow and your mom asks you to move somewhere, what you gonna say? No, I don't think you would. <laughs> if you can afford Better it, you're not. gonna you're gonna take <laughs> care of mom. So that's what you gotta consider in some of these conversations, and that's why um, I don't lose my mind when players pick certain areas because I understand because I would do the exact same thing for my mom if she wanted to leave and she did and she or she wanted to stay. I would, we would do that for the first couple of years. And then from there, whenever I'm working in the NFL, I don't have a choice, but when I have a, cho- when I can make that choice, I'll probably stay closer to home and family at that time. So anyway, we'll leave out. We'll wrap this bad boy up. Brian, let the people know where they can find you and all your great content. You can find us at heartlandcollegesports.com. You can find us on Twitter as well. 
uh, Instagram and Facebook. And then obviously, OU Insider, we're on Rivals. You can find us on those social media platforms as well. Is it Twitter or X now? What are we calling it? I mean, you can find you know where it's at. You can go find yeah, us there. I, I, it will forever be Twitter for me. I don't care what Elon tries to change it yep. to. It's, it's Twitter. I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it tweeting bird app, all of that, because it was just, it was just so great as that. And right now it's acting unstable. Cool. You know what? Tell the people where to find you. Find me here, Unfair Sports. Uh, be doing some more uh, content just from myself coming up here pretty soon. Um, trying to get more, um, trying to get more uh, interviews. If you guys have people that you would like to see, we're going to have some uh, some uh, OK Preps guys potentially coming on here in a little bit. Um, we're going to take some dive in on what we're doing. Um, just, just in general. I mean, like the you know, we talk to a lot of people, and you know, that I see in the chat. There's a lot of people about the. Uh, mm the uh, nil for recruits uh you know i've heard a lot of words from recruits saying it's that each football player on scholarships like 60k is the beginning point so again Ooh. if you have how many people on the roster uh, you know 85 and so that's 60k times 85 if that's the accurate portion we, we've got nil the everything is good where you run into again and, and i say this is um this is not where you could find me. Right. But um, where you go is you bring somebody in to the clubhouse, to the locker room, and they are making a crap ton more money. And then you've also got a bunch of other guys. Also, the moment that it gets out that, oh, you threw a million dollars at a defensive line recruit. That's the starting point for guys in the future. So it is a one Control by one conversation because <laughs> guess what? Anybody who wants to go talk to Miami or Oregon or now Missouri, they're having those those thrown out there. And I believe fully that Missouri is throwing a humongous chunk of their NIL at both Wingo and Winery. So what does everybody else in that locker room say, especially when that coaching staff gets booted? How would you like to be a coaching staff come in and be like, oh, what we're – we got $1.1 million going to one of our defensive linemen. He's making more than, Makes it more than a position coaching coach. staff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. but again, you find me Coop Ride in 1982. Uh, find me unfair. Uh, I'll, I'll be in and out a couple different uh, shows. But uh, man, Brian, I appreciate you coming on because uh, it, anytime that we can add quality insight, uh, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. It was fun, man. I really liked yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll definitely bring you back in, especially during the season. We want to definitely talk games and stuff as, as you're writing all the articles and we'll have great uh, reference material to talk through. So everybody, thank you all for pulling up to unfair sports. You've made it this far. Hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, please join the family. We are growing and we love doing this for you. And so with that, we will chop it up with all of you. I don't know in a couple of days. Peace.